Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Hey folks, this episode of Other People is brought to you by Stitcher Smart Radio. You can hear other people while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio, a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear other people, you have a chance to win some money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store, download it. It's free. It takes just a second of your time, possibly like 30 seconds. Then uh, when you register, hit the promo code box. It should say, tell us how you heard about Stitcher. Where it says that, enter other people. All one word. And spell out people. O-T-H-E-R-P-E-O-P-L-E. And when you do that... You're automatically entered to win 100 bucks. It's that simple. The latest episode of this program will then be waiting for you in your favorites, and you'll get access to lots of other amazing content as well, always available on demand without syncing. That's the Stitcher app. Go get it. Get it at the App Store. Get it at Stitcher.com. Available for your iPhone, your Android, your tablet computer. And don't forget to enter the promo code other people when you register. This is an app. You can apply it. Go and get it. Oh my God. You are not alone. You have found other people. You and I have a friend in common. Every stupid thing that a writer could do, I've done. I think it's really beautiful. Jesus, what a struggle, you know? It was incredible. You know, it's like your head exploded seeing what was really there. And now here's your host, Brad Listing. Just one person at just one time. Right. Okay, right. folks, here we go again. This is it. This is other people. This is unintentionally awkward. This is where you've turned to for entertainment. How's it going out there? I'm Brad Listy. I'm here in Los Angeles. Thank you for tuning in. My guest today is Ana Carete. She is the author of Baby Babe, a collection of poetry and illustrations available now from Civil Coping Mechanisms. She's also the editor of an online uh, zine called New Wave Vomit. So you can check that out. Uh, if you are so inclined. And by the way, uh, did you hear me attempt to uh, roll my R's there when I said Ana's name? Ana Carrete? That's the proper uh, pronunciation. She told me that on the phone when we talked. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be respectful. Get it right. Because the the thing is, uh, I sort of cringe when people bust out their foreign language skills in the context of an English language exchange. You know what I mean? Like, like for example, you're at a party uh, or some such thing, and, and someone will say something about France, or they'll use a word that's French, 
And then somebody who knows how to speak French will, will like step in and make a point of correcting them and saying it in French like with, with flair. It's annoying. You know, like, like for example, someone will say, yeah, you know, <clears throat> I went to Paris and I stayed in the 14th arrondissement. And then this other person will be like, oh, 14th arrondissement, you know, like I can't even do it. But uh, it's just like, fuck you. Okay. Just relax. We, we understand that you're cultured and well-educated. We're all very impressed that you, you did a semester abroad. And, and, you know, look, I think it's great to be uh, bilingual. Uh, like the more languages that you can speak, the better. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to rub it in. It's a way of going about it. So anyway, it's Ana Crete. That's her name. That's how you say it. I'm not trying to be obnoxious, uh, nor am I fluent in Spanish. I'm just functional. That's it. And I'm, fu- I'm functional in French too. I'd give anything uh, to be fluent. I feel bad about not being fluent. It is a regret of mine. Uh, never mastering a foreign tongue. So basically what I'm saying is that I have anger and inferiority issues surrounding my lack of fluency in a second language. But, you know, it's like anything. There's just a way to, there's a way to go about it. There's a way to do it. It comes down to attitude and uh, delivery. It's like people trying to convey how cultured they are, doing that sort of thing. There's a power dynamic involved. There's a little bit of ego in that. That's my point. So, do you understand what I'm saying? Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. My guest today, once again, is Ana Carete. Her book is called Baby Babe. It's poetry. It's out there now from uh, Civil Coping Mechanisms. There are some illustrations involved. Uh, so go get that. This here is my conversation with Anna. Uh, here she is. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is Anna Carete, author of Baby Babe. I am at San Diego State University at the parking lot. Um, and I'm in my car. There's some trees. 
And the the new building where my bowling class is at is in front of me. Okay, so wait. I think this is the first time I've ever talked to somebody who's in their car. <laughs> or, and like, is the car running or is it just it's shut down? Shut down. Okay. And it's what's the temperature like in there? It's kind of warm out, isn't it? It is very warm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm picturing, so, I'm picturing you like sweat, but the windows are rolled down. Not entirely, because I, I, it, it does get kind of um, noisy, because there's cars that drive by, um, and also sometimes there's helicopters, so... Okay, well, just stay hydrated, you know, I don't want you to be um, endangering yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's fine, I've done this plenty then, of time. And you, oh, you have, you do phone interviews in your car on a regular basis? No, <laughs> not that. <laughs> But just waited in my car, and it's been extremely warm. Okay, okay. So, yeah. uh, um, and then you said you have to go to a bowling class? Yeah. What, like this is for college credit? No, it's just for fun and to get, um, to have six units so I can get loans and I don't have to start paying my loans. Like, I would have had to start paying back my loans like in July so I wanted to not have to do that I don't have a job right now so I I'm taking a Portuguese class that I don't need and a bowling class that I don't need so it is for college credit <laughs> uh yes but I mean the universe I don't the need the uni I don't need I don't need the classes, I guess. Right. That's why. But, but the yeah. un, but the university offers it as an option, <laughs> bowling. Yeah, yeah, bowling. All right. Well, are you good? Are you good? Yeah. What are you bowling these days? I oh, am I good? Oh, I thought just in general. <laughs> no, I'm really awful at bowling. Well, then it's I am. It's good that you're taking the class. Yeah, but it didn't really help. It seems like um, it was not, I mean, the professor was not really that great. <laughs> He's probably a good bowler. He said that he has been bowling since, or like he has been working at bowling alleys since he's like 16. I'm picturing, I'm picturing a very very sad looking man i don't know if it's the case he he is from the midwest um he's a funny looking guy um i don't know he is he is funny but he didn't really teach anything like three times he said some things and just talked for like maybe 10 minutes at the beginning of the class <laughs> And then we just bowled. <laughs> and then so That's there's it. some that... people that just throw, like spin the ball, the 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 ball. I don't know. People just, are crazy. It sounds like it sounds like. I mean, that's a plum job right there. Where you can be teaching at San Diego State University and you're a college professor and your class is bowling. He's, yeah, this dude's figured it out. So, uh, are you just graduating, like from undergrad? Like where? where no, my MA. Oh, your MA. Okay, so yeah. Um, and your MA is in. Spanish, linguistics, and literature. Okay. That seems actually useful. I was expecting you to say poetry or something, and I was going to 
I was going to start weeping for you, but that's actually, you can do something with Spanish linguistics, right? Yeah. Well, I can teach. Also, I can do research. I can, I can go for the PhD and yeah, do research and stuff. And, um, and what about, what about these student loans? Do you feel like an onerous burden hanging over you? Like, is it uh, affecting your well-being? Um, a little bit, but I feel I don't feel as worried because I have friends who have who owe more money, <laughs> and I think that because I went to state school, it's not that bad. Uh, so I don't even know how much I owe right now. But it's, it's always it's, um, always it's always better not to know. Just to... <laughs> yeah, but. I don't know. I'm not really worrying about paying back the loans. I'm worried about getting a job. Right. When and you say yeah. you want, you say you want to teach? Yeah, it would be cool with teaching. I liked it. Like uh, teaching at teaching at, at, here, at the college level? Yeah, I taught here for 2 years and it was stressful but also fun. What was stressful about it? Um, everything, even like the smallest details, like people can be really mean and like what happened? What happened? Who was mean to you? Well, uh, well, I guess first of all, I'm like a really anxious person, and I have stage fright. But um, what, like like fear of public enough, fear, fear of public speaking. Yeah, but but it was good. Like from the first day, uh, I felt like happy and in control when I left the classroom. So that was really weird to me because just presenting in class, I freak out and like blush, and I am going insane and I'm sweating. But teaching was not like that like I would blush every now and then maybe but I didn't feel like my face was going to explode from blushing so much and um I don't know it was okay but because I look young um I have and I I should say I've met you you do look young you look like you're in your you like you could be you could pass for a teenager (laughs) um thank you well but how old are you how old are you 28. 28. Okay. I mean, yeah, you, you're very young looking and you're very petite. So like, I think that combination makes, makes people probably think you're younger than you are. And then I imagine when you be, you know, you get into like a classroom situation, uh, as a college instructor and mm-hmm. you know, you look the same age as like some of your students or some of your students might even look older than you or something like that dynamic has yeah, to be. Yeah. And some, some of them were older. Right. Yeah. So were they disrespectful? So then, so then they were like, Oh, like, why is she, why does she think she can, um, order me around? And I wasn't even ordering around, but it's just the, like, some of them, when they're straight out of high school, they feel like I am making them do stuff. And, uh, and then when I actually treat them like adults, 
and it wasn't like, oh, you need to turn this in. They would always be worried about, like, would always ask, are we turning this in? And if the answer is no, then they don't really work that much. But then if you say yes, well, they do sometimes. But then I was just so, I don't know, it was really weird for me that they kept asking, do we need to turn, are we turning this in? I was just like, why are you always asking this? I will decide later. Just do your work. Um, but. Yeah, like teaching is a weird thing. Like, you know, like dealing with, I remember teaching some undergraduate courses in like basic composition and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it wasn't the greatest school. Like I, I'm, I, mean, I don't mean to denigrate because, you know, there were a lot of smart kids there, but. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with undergraduates who are taking like core curriculum, like I'm imagining that mm-hmm. was what you, that was what you were teaching. It was like something they sort of had to take. Um, yeah. you know, it, when you get them that early in the process to, you know, like you haven't really weeded out the people who don't even really want to be there. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and you're not teaching them something that they're actually super, you know, super focused on and interested in. So yeah. it just becomes kind of messy. And then you have to deal with, you know, like discipline and, uh, yeah, that is weird and then there's well there's ageism then there's sexism then there's weird guys like creeping like were your students hitting on you yeah like like uh, a lot of them or just like can you think of are you singling out like a couple of or one weird guy or something there were some guys yeah and you're totally you're totally not into that because like i think like the male professor dynamic is always like, oh, yeah, the young girls are, like, into me, and, like, this is great. But when you're a young female professor, yeah. it's, no. not, it's not great. No, it's uncomfortable, and no, it's it's bad. So, I don't know. Also, some of them would write on their, like, flirt on the other exams or quizzes that happened to me like, too yeah so for example one time they had to write a um an essay about a party that they went to so this one guy who was older than me um wrote about some party but made things up and then said that i showed up to the party and that i was looking pretty and that he gave me a gift and i was like oh okay i'm just going to ignore this just going to make the changes like um wrong word uh verb conjugation incorrect or whatever why are guys so creepy like why are guys guys just can't like be i mean it's like you know flirting is fine even flirting that might fall outside of the context of what is appropriate but like if you're gonna do it for god's sakes have some charm you know, like yeah, something like that's just you know, that just makes. And sense. then after that, he was even creepier because then he emailed me and was like, "I feel like you like some students more than you like me," and uh, it was like he thought I wasn't giving him enough attention or something. Oh my god! And then I was. And then I was just like chit chatting with others or something. <laughs> What's the protocol that you should report this guy, right? Like get him out of your class. Um, I well the thing is you have to tell 
like your coordinator or whatever about the problems and write down what happened, write down um, like when, what, when something happened and what happened and right. It's all like the, the yeah. academic like details yeah. and yeah. But then, so after that, he sent another email saying that he wanted to go to my office and talk to me about, I don't remember what it was, but he was just very, um, how old was this guy? He was like in his thirties. Well, like, what was he? Was he, was, he like was, a, was he a large man? Was he like a? Yeah, he was okay. So, um, in class, he would be really quiet and wouldn't participate. Would always be late. He was failing because he was he he had a lot of he was missing classes, so he didn't know what was happening most of the time. Um, and he. And then he was, he, oh, I remember, because he said, well, I want to know if I'm passing the class, what is my grade, my grade so far? So I told him, and he was not, he had like a D or something. So then he said, well, then he kind of tried to blame me, like why he was not being successful in the class it was apparently because i didn't like him yeah he's got like this like <laughs> emotional attachment to you that's like based on nothing yeah so then he um i don't i don't remember the details but he was aggressive in the emails but then in class he would be so calm and quiet <laughs> and wouldn't even talk to me which is, which creepy. is i was gonna say which is also cre- like the creepy silent Coupled yeah. with like, the aggressive email is like that's a bad yeah. So I was kind of scared that he was going to my office and I just I I told my coordinator like this is happening. I feel uncomfortable being like talking with this guy in my office. Hopefully someone else will be in my office, but I feel like he wants privacy because I don't know and. And then he said, well, I can talk to him, but I feel like you have this under control. You can probably do it. <laughs> so the guy kind of didn't understand my situation because he was male, I guess. I mean, just why are, you know, I, I don't want to, yeah. not, not all guys are this uh, imbecilic. Just so Yeah, you know. I know. Yeah, I know, I know, I do know. I just worded it weird, I guess. But he he was un- he was one of the guys who was unaware of those things, I guess. Right. It seemed like there's a lot of meat. I feel like there's a lot of meathead. Not that the- not that this is the problem with this particular situation, but I feel like there's a lot of meatheads down in San Diego. Like there's a lot of like <laughs> it's like the Marines and the culture down there, and a lot of bros like surfing. Is that you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I so... went to I went to I went to a San Diego uh I'm from Indiana originally. Uh-huh. I, I remember going to a playoff uh football game down there when the Colts played the Chargers uh, a few years ago. The Chargers beat mm-hmm. them. But my friend oh. my friend Timmy who's like a very hairy uh human being, he's very uh, hirsute. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's just a he's a funny guy, but he shaved a horseshoe into his chest hair as a joke. And uh, mm-hmm. and he wore a mullet wig, and he's just like a, he's a very confident person who mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. 
he'll mix it up with complete strangers. He'll shout like he's in this. And I'm like the exact opposite. Like I would never do that. And uh, I don't like to like cause a scene. So we're at this game in San Diego in the stadium. And of course it's a football game. So there's lots of guys. There's lots of like, you know, big, uh, drunk, (laughs) you know, (laughs) angry shouting guys. And my friend is like just talking shit with them. And at one point, uh, a guy with his like, like, you know, six year old son threatened to like fight us. And it was just, it was, you know, yeah. But anyway, I guess that could have happened anywhere in any football stadium, but it seemed, it seemed very San Diego. Yeah. I felt like, (laughs) I felt like the Marines were like closing in on me or something. (laughs) Um, I don't really have much experience with games because I'm not a sports person but i went to a baseball game with mike and it was who's mike um mike bushnell my boyfriend okay yeah um and then he well we were making fun of people and um it was a padres versus the nationals game and I was just talking and being like, well, I feel like they should change the name from the Padres to, like, the bros or something. <laughs> and then when they won, because I felt really surprised that they won, because I feel like the Nationals are probably better. But um, I might be wrong. I don't know anything about sports, but I'm pretty sure that they're better. Um when the game ended, they start playing a song called the Bro Anthem or the Bro Chant or something <laughs> like that. I don't remember who sings the song. Yeah. It's a pretty bro. I don't know if you know. Wait, like take, me out, t- that? take me out to the ball game? Like the seventh inning? No, 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 no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Well, they play that because they play that all the time, I guess. Yeah. But no, it was, it's a song by some like rock band. That is pretty, bro. And they have a song called the Bro Anthem or something like that. And I was, I, I just started laughing and crying because I was like, this this song, have you heard it ever? And I think he hadn't. And I was like, this song, I'm pretty sure it's called something like the Bro Anthem. And then I sound hounded it, and it was. So, that was so wait, there's an actual song pretty called the, cool. There's an actual song called the Bro Anthem. Yes. Interesting. Well, and but you know I, that aside, because I you know there's always the bro factor whenever you go to a live sporting event. But uh, I love to go to a live baseball game. Isn't it nice? Because baseball moves so slowly. Like uh, there's a great line um, about sports that I always quote, and I forget who said it or who wrote it. But mm-hmm. uh, it was I, I think it was a woman who said it, if I'm remembering correctly. But she said something to the effect of. Uh, America used to be baseball and now it's football, um, which like I think is, I mean, it's totally true in terms of popularity, but like, it's also true in terms of like the speed of life and like the violence of society. And I don't know, but there's something sort of like yeah. nostalgia inducing and meditative and relaxing about going to a baseball game because you can sit there. You don't even need to know anything about it. It's just sort of nice yeah. to, to watch them running around on this perfect lawn. And it moves so slowly that like, you can get up and go get a beer and like pee and then come back and like you haven't missed anything. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I feel like I'm not like again. I'm not all into sports or anything, but I'm okay with going. Like I have fun going to baseball games, and I don't know what's happening. And like he's trying to explain to me what's happening. I'm like, oh okay, and then I kind of get it for a minute, but then I 
forget. But it's, I don't know, it's fun. Yeah, no, it's I've good. Had fun. Uh, that's good. I like, I have, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not like in a super intense fan, but I try to go to like a Dodgers game every year. I took my daughter last <laughs> year and it was like, she's oh. three, she was three. And it was like, you know, I, I was like there to like show her the game. Some, I had all these kinds of like misconceptions about what her experience would entail. And I'm like there trying to like be like, this is the field. I'm like, that's a hit, you know? And for her, for her, it was like, for her, it was like all about the vendors, like with the, the cotton candy. And that was it. Like yes. she, she thought these guys were like magicians, just like walking around holding. Like... So anyhow. Um, that's probably my experience. <laughs> so I'm free. Yeah, they're bringing me stuff. So, so where you're from Tijuana originally? Are you from Mexico? Yeah. Well, yeah, I was born here in San Diego, but I was raised there. My parents live there. I lived there most of my life. I went to school there from preschool to high school. So what is, I've never been, you know what? I've never been over the border to Tijuana. Isn't that sad? I've Mm -hmm. I've lived in Southern California for all these years. I've never made that drive, but um, yeah, that's sad. You should. Yeah. So, what's it like? What's it like growing up in Tijuana? Um, it's normal. I don't know. It. I feel like uh, people are always like interested and feel like it's something so strange and exotic or something. But I feel like everyone who lives there is just like, well, it's just a city. It's not like the prettiest city um there's not that many things to do uh at least for free but like culture but, but culturally like because you know these are it's a transitional border town it's like the big isn't it like the busiest yeah. border crossing in the world or something in terms of like yeah it is. so there's a lot um, there's a lot of traffic back and forth it's obviously got very close proximity to southern california and the states and san diego like Culturally, do you feel like it's um, like totally Mexico, or does it feel like some sort of hybridized culture because of its proximity? It's, yeah, it's a hybrid. It's not, it's not at all like Mexico City, for example, or other cities that are on border cities. Um, like there's McDonald's, Burger Kings, KFCs, like everywhere. There's Starbucks everywhere. There's, I guess, there's Starbucks and McDonald's uh, everywhere. I, I was going to say, I, guess. I was going to say, you can but, get you, you can get Kentucky Fried Chicken in like Iran, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess I don't, but mostly everyone speaks English, I guess. Like in their day to day, or they um, they speak it as a second language. That's second language, okay. and and also just like Spanglish. Not everyone, but so like when you were hanging I out guess, with, when you were hanging out with your friends, would you be talking English? No, okay. just some words every now and then, but not really. Right. Um. So that was really like a really difficult thing for me because I I always watched TV and. I listened to music in English, so I understood, like, I could read it, I could, I could, um, listen to it, everything, understand, but then speaking, because I never practiced at all, unless I was, like, going to McDonald's and getting, like, a cone or something, um, <laughs> uh, I didn't practice at all, so speaking 
Like, I feel most people thought I was a bitch because whenever they talked to me, I would be like, yes, no, right, right, okay. Right. Or they think you're an idiot. Because I was so scared. Yeah. Because like, I've been through that with, like, second languages or being in foreign countries where you have, like, a very um, – you know, intermediate level of uh, ability where I, I think like the mm-hmm. way that, the way that it usually works with languages is that like you, you can understand what's being said way earlier than you can actually respond uh, with like mm-hmm. any, any kind of like dimensionality. So like it just, it renders you an idiot in, in conversation because the mo- like people say these things and you get it. And then the most you can respond with is like, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, like, well, also, yeah. Also, I guess I'm not, uh, I'm kind of, uh, like a robot and I don't really, like when I, when first, when I first meet someone, I'm like not that talkative. So it's, why is that? I mean, it's one better, but I'm just shy and like anxious because I don't know what this person is thinking and I don't I don't I don't know I just worry about really dumb shit let's get into this why are you so anxious what does this come from uh you come from an anxious family yes but also um yeah well that and I know that both my parents blushed when they were younger so that is hereditary so I'm fucked what do you mean like Um, like fear of public speaking Yes, but but just blushing, I guess, because blushing is genetic so or what, can be. So what? Like you? Like, but give me some context. Like when you're, you, you know, obviously when you're public speaking, you've you've mentioned that that can be difficult for you. Though it is interesting yes. that in the context of teaching, where it's like a controlled environment, you know, mm-hmm. I have a friend who's like a a, a waiter, and like he can wait ta- mm-hmm. he can wait tables, but like if you asked him to give a toast at a wedding, he would literally sprint out of the facility wherever you were. He, <laughs> he would never do it. But he can like talk to it. He can stand in front of a table of twelve people and like you know conduct the ceremony, no problem. But uh, <laughs> it's because I think he has a script or something. Oh well, yeah. I think you just practice enough that it becomes something natural. But I don't know. But like it's... the the blushing thing, like you get it. Your parents blush. You blush. Like when when are you blushing outside? Yeah, of... my sister blushes too. Um, <laughs> it's. It's crazy. I think she blushes more than me, but she started to blush later than me. I started to blush when I was in third grade, and I remember exactly when it happened. Cause, like, how, re- um, how how red do you get? What are we talking here? Oh, like extremely red, like <laughs> my entire face. And I've and I've felt sometimes that my arms, like, so my entire body blushes sometimes because I've because I've like all of a sudden I feel like the same sensation, like. On my like in my arms, so I look at my arms and they're totally red. I'm like, wow, this is next level blushing. Like I feel, and then and then just looking at that makes me blush even more because I'm like, I am this mutant who is red now. <laughs> um, have you have you blushed during this conversation at all? I, I don't know because I'm so sweaty and warm in here <laughs> that it, it's. It's it's hard to tell. How, <laughs> how, hot, how hot is it in your car? How hot is it in your car right now? Can you guesstimate? I have no. Also, I don't know Fahrenheit because in Mexico it's <laughs> just du- just du- here's how you do it. You want to know you want to know a shorthand. Whatever it is in Celsius, just double it and add thirty, and that'll give you a. Um, I can look at my phone and check. No, it's okay. We but don't... I don't know if it's that's yeah, it's probably a bad idea, right? 
Yeah, it could, it could interrupt the flow of the conversation. So, yeah. Okay, so your parents are blushers. You're a blusher. Your sister's a blusher. Um, <laughs> it was just the four of you, just one sibling. Yeah. Okay, and are your parents artsy uh, people? Like, where do you? Uh, how do you get this writing thing happening? Is it genetic? Um, I don't. Well, they're architects, both of them. Um, but I've been recently thinking about it, and I. My dad has always um, he's from a from a small town, um, so he's always telling us stories about the town and the people from there. What town? Um, it's a, you can't even get there by a plane. Like you have to take a bunch of buses. Um, it is a town in Durango, in Mexico. It is called Santa Maria del Oro. And it, um, you, it's just an extremely said, small town. Okay. Like, is he, is he from, like, farming people or something? Yeah. Okay. But he's a storyteller. Yeah. And I guess my my grandma was also like that, but I didn't really interact with her. But he always tells us about the things that she would say and stuff. And it's just really funny and, I don't know, charming. I, I'm really into the stories. Well, no, but I, I think... They're, that, like, sad a, and fun. Like, can, I mean, is there one in particular that, like, you has, like, really sticky and, like, that you might mm, i kind of been wanting to write about some of them, but I feel like I would have to write them in Spanish because... I don't really know how to translate that. Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of difficult. But there's one where one of his aunts uh, sent was writing uh, two letters. One letter was for one of her daughters. The other one was for her uh, daughter-in-law. And so he got the... Um, he put them in the wrong envelope and the one that he sent to the daughter-in-law was shit-talking her. And she was like, she is so nice, but she is so ugly like a devil. And then, I don't know, it was just really, really funny how she worded it and I can't really find a way to translate it and make it that charming in English. So I don't know, but that is one that I think is hilarious. And and then the the daughter-in-law just forgave her because she was so nice, like the letter said, but she was apparently ugly. So. And she forgave. And she, yeah. Well, that's generous. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, but, you know, a couple of things strike me. Like, first of all, the fact that you're the daughter of, uh, two, you said two architects, both your parents are architects. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's some sort of like great, you know, uh, there's something instructive, you know, instructive about architecture when it comes to literature, or maybe I'm just talking more broadly about like the way different like artistic disciplines or creative pursuits inform one another. But it always strikes mm -hmm. me that like, if you know how to put together a building, then you kind of would know how to put together a novel somehow. There seems to be a lot. It's like, um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, when he uh, just mm -hmm. died, when he just died, I was reading about him a lot cause he was in the news and he was talking about writing and, and just compared it to carpentry. He said, it's basically just carpentry. And, uh, I, I think there's a lot of truth in that, you know? Yeah. 
So there's that. And then I think also, and here again, like there's another commonality with Marquez is that, you know, I, I want to say his family was like, you know, he came from a family of really good storytellers. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was reading about it. Yeah. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's a thing with a lot of writers. Like, you know, your parents might not be um, literary per se, but you know, one of them or both of them, you, you know, you come from a family where people know how to tell a story or, yeah. or they love to read or whatever it takes, but there's always something feeding it. Yeah. My dad kind of painted for a little bit, but then my mom and everyone would always bully him about his paintings because he was so, like, kind of, like, psychedelic or, I don't know, he was just painting the strangest things, so they were kind of... Was he smoking pot or doing drugs or anything? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Okay. He was a hippie, but he he was, like straight edge he doesn't drink or anything um but there was like one what, what was he painting like <laughs> there, there was one painting that he did of uh the virgin mary or i guess uh like it was trying to be like la virgen de guadalupe and wait trying to be what it was like the virgin of guadalupe or whatever okay you know, uh, any, I don't know. Um, she's like the the Mexican virgin, I guess. <laughs> right. um, every, every country, every country has one, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, he did painting, but then for the um, for the eyelashes, he put um, nails. <laughs> so then they were just. Uh, most people that saw that, they were like, what are you doing and why are you doing that? That is kind of inappropriate and crazy, which I don't think is crazy at all. No. But I don't know. People just, are kind of, I don't know. Religious iconography. I was, I was just going to unintentionally quote the North. I was going to say people are strange. <laughs> uh, which they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So um, happy family, it sounds like. Parents together. Yeah. You know, sibling living in Tijuana. Um, I can see, you know, dad's sort of a hippie and whatnot. But uh, why were you born in San Diego? Because that is what most people do um, or try to do in PJ because it's a border town. They're like, okay, well, my kids won't need a passport if they're born there. So um, I kind of had like an illegal. Um, uh, birth certificate, Mexican birth certificate, because I was not born there, and back then you couldn't have uh, dual citizenship. Uh, yeah, so uh, that was so it's that was funny. Well, so it's citizenship. Uh, but, it's, it was just a citizenship thing. I mean, that I thought that was what it was. I just didn't know if like there was some other reason, or if you had other family up here, or something. Or... Well, yeah, but it wasn't really that. It was just that they wanted us to not have to worry about getting passports and having, like, the opportunity to work somewhere else, I guess. Right. Um, so do you – but you identify as Mexican. Like, you don't identify as American. Well, that is a tricky question because I used to just – feel 100% American, but I've been going to school here for 
Ten years, I think. Okay. So I, uh, um, like one hundred percent Mexican people are now kind of giving me shit for my Spanish or you can't win the fluency of my Spanish or whatever. They're like, "Oh, you take too long now. You don't speak that fast." And I'm like, "I, I can." speak pretty fast i'm just well like speed isn't like speed is the thing like you gotta like the faster you talk the better you're, you're the other day yeah that was the thing that i got recently like less than a month ago like i think you are thinking about the words now like you're translating like you're maybe thinking in english and that was that is another thing i in the past i was thinking in spanish and just translating all the time but now i'm not really sure what's happening that's got to be weird. Yeah. And then like, what do you dream in? Like when you dream, are you dreaming in English? Cause isn't that like supposed I, to. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like both, you but dream, I'm not sure. You dream in Spanglish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of, I think I, I envy you. I mean, I envy anybody who's got like dual citizenship. And, uh, one thing I would say is that if you're ever traveling, I mean, it's nice because you can come to the States without a passport. You can work here uh, and live here, et cetera, but, you know, if you want to. But, you know, if you ever go traveling uh, abroad in places where, like, you know, people like uh, Americans are sort of sneered at, which happens from time to time, <laughs> yeah. especially back in, like, yeah. the, the Bush years or whatever. But I remember when I was, like, backpacking, you know, like, Americans don't have the greatest reputation overseas. And I remember going to these, like, youth hostels and, like, Everybody loved the Canadians. They were always like, oh, the Canadians are so inoffensive as like a people. They're so friendly. Their country doesn't They are so nice. They are. Their country doesn't fuck with anybody. You know, it's just like a nice, friendly Canada. And I remember thinking like, God, I'm going to sew a Canadian flag patch onto my backpack and just like pretend I'm Canadian so people will be nice to me. <laughs> but this is good because like you have, you have this. You can just be like, oh, hey, I'm Mexican. Like I'm not from, you know, you can sort of disavow if you need to in a pinch. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so growing up, um, happy family, living in TJ, uh, did you ever, like, freak out or have any, like, really dark periods of, like, adolescence or anything? Um, yeah, um, I I got bullied a lot. Uh, Why are people picking on you? You, you seem so inoffensive. Okay, so, so the first, well, people don't like nerds. I feel like that is something really weird. I don't really understand how, like, you go to school and you make, you get, like, made fun of when you're smart. Like, you're supposed to be smart at school, but no, you're supposed to be cool and pretty and whatever, something else. But, um, okay, so back to the first time when I blushed, I guess. The first time I blushed, I was in third grade, and I was always really quiet in class because... I went to Catholic school from preschool to high school. Uh, so they really rewarded when you were quiet in the classroom and didn't participate. Um, yeah. That was like, like good. You, did you have nuns as teachers? Uh, mm, mm, just like the religious classes, okay. but not really the other okay. subjects. Um, 
So they, because I was always getting rewarded for being quiet and stuff, then that one time I was in third grade and that teacher yelled at me because I was uh, talking with someone, but really I was just asking for an eraser. So then she started yelling at me like, like, be quiet, blah, blah, blah. And I just felt so ashamed because that had never happened in the past. Oh, and so I started to blush. Oh. And then I haven't stopped ever since. <laughs> just that. <laughs> just like, yeah. So then every time someone, like I'm in a classroom and they call my name, I blush immediately because it's something unexpected. And all just, I, like all eyes are on you suddenly. And you're yeah. Like, you're on the spot. Yeah, so I'm like still a teenager in the way. <laughs> yeah, how do we get over that? Like, I had a friend like that, man. I mean, I, I, mean, I have a few friends like that. I think I, I'm a because I'm not like that, but I feel like mm-hmm. uh, people who are like that tend to want to be friends with me. Maybe so I'll talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so ask him. You know, he, he can't stop talking. But uh, I just remember no, but I like looking back on it. I feel like teachers should have. Uh, a better intuition about this kind of stuff because obviously class participation, you know, anticipation is important. But if you've got like a really shy, sweet student in your class, like don't fucking call on them, leave them alone. Yeah, you're gonna torture this kid. You know, like there's no need for that. Like they can figure it out over time, but there's no need to like, I don't know, leave them alone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I never did that to the shy ones. Yeah, or just you know, you got to find a way to like, you know. Bring them out slowly. Yeah. Don't yell. Don't like start barking at uh, <laughs> poor, poor little third grade Anna. I mean, like, oh my god. So oh, okay. okay. So then after that, I started to wear. Um, well, I was wearing like braces and. Um, Always a good look. Uh, yeah, and then um, when I start fourth grade, I like over the summer, I start wearing glasses. So then I was, I had glasses, I had braces, I was shy, I was blushing, I was a nerd. Um, so I started to lose my friends, like in <laughs> fifth grade, like slowly, just like everyone was like, okay, fuck this bitch, she is too awkward, and I don't really want to be associated <laughs> with her, because then everyone's going to think I'm also a uh, like a dork. So people are awesome, aren't they? Aren't they just like yeah. human beings? I, human beings. What a great species. We're, we're killing it. Yeah, yeah, killing it. <laughs> um. So, uh, like, <laughs> I remember I started to get really sad, like when I was in fifth grade, because people. I mean, my friends were just like, yeah, I don't really want to hang out with you anymore. (laughs) Or just didn't even let me know and just stopped talking to me. And I didn't really even ask why they stopped because I felt like, I'm not going to lower myself or whatever. I don't know what I was thinking. At least you had some some pride. That's good. Like, I'm not going to even entertain this. I'm going to to live in isolation and and completely disengage. Yeah. I'm just going to be a loner. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was it was kind of a sad uh, period. Did you did you did you turn to Jesus? I mean, you were in like a religious school. Did you start to get really religious or anything? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I well, I had two friends 
Jesus will be your friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My homeboy. Um, <laughs> uh, so I had two friends who were also super quiet and shy, so they were okay with being nerds. And we, all of a sudden, we watched, um, this was when Harriet the Spy came out. So we watched that movie, and we're like, yes, we are Harriet the Spy. We are going to be spies. We are going to write about everyone else and pass the notes in my classroom. So then somehow, of course, like in the movie, someone found out that we were, that we thought that we were spies and then they started to make fun of us because we were spies or we thought that we were spies just like in the movie it was it was ridiculous so after that one of my friends um moved to san diego because her mom was um from here so she moved here and then my other friend um we we stayed in the same school, but she was in another classroom. So wait, can I ask you a question? Like when you're with these other shy girls, you're not all mm -hmm. sh when you and you guys are just hanging out at like one another's houses or something. Like you're talking. Yeah, yeah, we're talking. Okay. We're not shy. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at each other, we like, can just all be comfortably silent around one another, like just like we. Understand. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I guess that would be comforting, comforting still, but um, I don't. Yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. Okay. Uh. So, oh, so we were in different classrooms, and then I was alone in that in that classroom and didn't know anyone. So then I, whenever we had to be in group, um. I didn't, I was always like the loser who didn't have a group to work with. So then, so then it's like, oh, does anyone not have a group? Or I would have to raise my hand and be like, hi, I don't have a group. Uh, and then I would have to be uh, in a group with some people who didn't like me or, yeah. Okay, so, so how, how does this manifest when you get into, like, the heart of adolescence and you're in high school? Like, did the tide ever turn for you, or did you start doing a lot of drugs, or did you go, <laughs> did you become goth? Like, what? how did this manifest once you got to high school? So when I, I, I went to a school where mostly none of the people who I was with were going to. It was also a non-school, but... Um, I just preferred to go there than to the other schools where all my bullies were going. So I was just like, um, because my parents wanted me to go to the school where all the cool bullies were going. And I was like, mm, there's no way I am going to continue this suffering. So I, I went to a different school and because not that many people knew who I was or what anything about me, I, I just felt like confident to like kind of get a makeover slowly, I guess. And on a two point, on a two point oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, or I wasn't a hippie, but like 
I dressed like because it was kind of like the cool thing. I guess you don't have to. You don't have to listen. You're talking to a guy who used to have like hair down to his chest in college. You don't. (laughs) You do not have to apologize for this. I spent like you know a a good solid two years of my life in like full hippie mode. Nice. Um. So yeah, one of my friends was always calling me a hippie because. Also, in the other school, we couldn't wear, we couldn't have our hair down. So then, in the school, I just never wore a ponytail and just had my hair down all the time. What do you mean you couldn't have your hair down? Is that a Catholic thing? Yeah, and that's cool, yeah. What, like what? Your I hair, don't know. You can't have hair on your shoulders? Is that a thing, like your shoulders? I thought you had to cover your shoulders in the church. Uh, well, we had, like, sweaters and... <laughs> I know because like I've been like I remember like um you know my wife and I were traveling somewhere and like we went into like one of these old churches to like just like as tourists and like mm-hmm. you know it was hot in the summer and they had to like they're like ma'am you can't be in here your sh- your shoulders are not covered and so we had to leave and it was like the fuck you know but I think uh, it seems weird that oh. they, it seems like if your hair was down that'd be better you're more covered you know <laughs> well I guess I don't know I um we had the uniform was pretty discreet and conservative. <laughs> But, um, but doesn't it? I mean, is it true? That, were people because like they always say, you know, the Catholic schoolgirl meme or myth or whatever. Like, there's a lot of truth to that. That repression. Because I, I grew up Catholic, but I didn't attend like a parochial school or whatever. So I was. Yeah. My education was, you know, disentangled from all of that. But like, was the repression? Um, you know, did it have? Was there like the the common backlash or whatever? Were people going crazy when they were off campus? Um. Yeah. And also, I mean, we couldn't even wear, like, as, like, we couldn't wear bracelets or necklaces. They would be, like, um, those, those tattoo-looking, like, chokers are, like, kind of back now. What about, what about a, what about a crucifix? You couldn't even wear, like, a crucifix? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, that, but not, not, nothing, like, cool, because then that was always satanic for some reason. You couldn't wear the necklace that your dad made that just had nails hanging from it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <He's>... uh... <laughs> I'm not going to go. I'm not gonna... I was going to make a crucifixion joke, but I'm not going to go there. So, um, so, okay. So, you know, you, you can't do all this stuff. Uh, there's a backlash. There's, you know, like when did like, I want to hear about the really juicy bad behavior. Did you ever completely rebel or get in trouble or anything Uh, when i was in high school i kind of i was not a loser but i i hung out with good girls well most of them were good girls whatever that means um so we didn't really like i didn't really drink you're you can start drinking when you're 18 i didn't drink when i was 18 i think i waited until i was like 20 20 21 i don't know um i just didn't like it or whatever um and then this is so and then i started drinking i was gonna say this is so disappointing i want to hear about some sort of like Crazy. Yeah, then I started drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I started drinking, and then I was like, "Oh, people like me when I'm drunk." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm. I can. I can. I can give a great public speech when I'm drunk. This is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. T- I'm so outgoing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a master orator. 
Uh, Who is this person? So okay, so when you finally break through and like you get drunk a few times, like did it? I mean, did you ever? Um, I don't know. Do you ever find yourself like reliant on it in social situations, or have you found a way to like? Because um, I, you know, I can kind of be that way. Like I go to a party. I think that most people mm-hmm. are this way. You go to, especially when you go to a party. There's lots of people. It's like, okay, just give me a mm-hmm. drink, just so I can like yeah. relax into this thing. But you don't ever get like to, you never got to the point where like you would be like, give me like five drinks because you're like a you're a petite little thing. Like, I'm oh well, uh, mm, well, <laughs> there's some bars or like clubs where it's like all you can drink with. <laughs> Well, that's that's one thing. I understand if you're going out for like a fun night, but you're never like at a party where it's like sort of like a more reserved occasion. But this sh- um, this shyness yeah, thing gets in the way. There, oh man, there was one time where it was a house party, but my friends' par- parents were there and his family was there, and they got one of those helmets where you put like two beers on the sides. <laughs> I think they sell. I, the, I think they sell. They, they sell those at Padres games. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I probably do. <laughs> so, I uh, that was a really bad one because that was the first time I met his parents, and I remember her mom was giving me Gatorade because I was puking in the bathroom oh. and. <laughs> It was what did awful. You, wait, you drink, you were drinking out of one of those helmets? Yeah, because oh we were playing some card game, and then I kept losing, so I I got I got to drink from that helmet many times. <laughs> well, that's but even uh, you know, but that's sort of fun. That's like you know, I feel like that's yeah, it's a kind of a party foul. But you had a a two beer helmet on, and you were playing a card. <laughs> It's not like you were at like a wedding reception and like got up on a chair and started like taking your clothes off or screaming at people or something. <laughs> no, okay. um, I don't. Uh, so never a problem drunk. Um, I mean, I feel like sometimes I am annoying, but mostly I'm. Uh, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> I'm like I'm sometimes annoying, but mostly I'm just fun. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. I think I think that no, just describes I mean, anybody anybody who's a healthy drunk would probably fall into those two categories. Like sometimes annoying, hopefully fun. Yeah, yeah, but mostly I'm not annoying. Uh, yeah. Okay, and then I'm, what? What I'm about? And, really... and then what about getting out of high school? Um, leaving the you know that whole domain behind and then going on to college. Like, did you always know you were going to head back to the states? Or <laughs> no, I just had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And in Mexico, you have to pick. Like, you are like, okay, I want graphic design, and um, and then you just start with the classes. And then here, you have to take all the um general requirements or whatever the core curriculum yeah so that gave me some time to figure it out and also i had a boyfriend back then who was going to oh so you had a boyfriend uh, studying here you were shy but you were you weren't shy so shy that you couldn't find a boyfriend yeah okay (laughs) i imagine though he he approached you right you weren't like out like yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
and like online or something. Which is, yeah. See, this is the thing. I didn't have that when I was like a shy, um, you know, awkward high schooler. I, if I would have had like the internet to communicate with, mm-hmm. I, I think I would have done a lot better, at least online. Like, I don't know about, yeah. I don't know how I would have made the transition to real life, but like, I feel like <laughs> that's got to be so nice when you're in high school because you get to actually say things that you would never say in real life, which I know has its downsides, but. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're not an asshole, you can like actually uh, you know say, express interest and say, oh, you know, you look good, or like something yeah. something as simple as that in person in high school can just be like completely impossible. Yeah, I remember when I was first like talking with this guy online. One time, my cousin from LA was was at my house, and we were uh, chatting with him, and then. Um, he said something, uh, like, if I was there, like, what would you do? And then she was like, tell him you would take off his shoes. And <laughs> I, was just, I was just like, that is weird. Okay, I'm going to say that. Um. So I typed that. And I don't remember what his reaction was, but it was probably like, uh, okay. Just felt like creeped out. Um, I didn't, I feel like I didn't even know what, like the consequences of saying that would. <laughs> some, know, guys, like, some guys, you, they'd still be chasing after you. Some guys would be totally into the feet thing, which I do not, which I do not understand. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> People who are into feet will always mystify me. But um, okay, so and that's a, this. This is a, a, a natural segue, like a good transitional moment, because your work, I feel like, uh, like so many people um, in your particular like age group or whatever generation mm-hmm. uh, in the literary community, like the internet is sort of an inextricable part of your work, and also the community around your work and like the community that you found with other writers, like, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you got to college and you started, you know, uh, I guess the internet was part of your life in high school. Like when did you start to actually write and share your work online? Um, I took some creative writing classes, uh, here and college and, and then I started, a blog like in 2007 or 8 uh so that is when i started i think in 2008 was when i started sharing stuff online but um, and like what were you reading like was this like a like were you telling yourself like this is something i want to do like i want to write and publish I've made, I, I, I think well in the beginning it was I was just taking the English like composition courses or whatever. So for one of my classes, I had an assignment where it was like write a poem about your city or something. So I wrote a poem and I turned it in, and then my professor told me like, "Oh, like I was really impressed. Do you write often?" I was like, "Uh, no, I." I don't write. <laughs> like, this, is, this is my first poem, probably. And then she's like, well, I think you should take a creative writing class. Um, and then I took two classes with her. And then what, um, what about but, like reading? Were you always a reader? I, I don't, I don't think I was. I was always 
like I wanted to be a movie director when I was in middle school. So I was more like into just other things like TV and like shows and movies. So, but I wasn't really a reader. Um, Which is, you know, it's it's refreshing to hear you be so candid about that because I think there's a lot of writers um, who were that way when they were younger, but they don't often mm-hmm. they don't often cop to it because you know it's like it's like somehow like impo- you know uh, embarrassing or something. Yeah, well, you know, but I mean that's yeah. the, that's the dominant narrative form, and I mean, Lord, Lord only knows what's happening uh, nowadays with people having screens in front of them, like in literally every room and everywhere you go, like. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I guess you can read too, but it seems like, uh, you know, it's it just feels to me like if you have a screen and you're trying to read on it, it's different somehow, and uh, not as like focused. So, mm-hmm. uh, did you get literary in college? Did you start to pick up books and? Yeah, that is one because I guess I had friends who were readers. <laughs> So then I, when I first started to take, when I first took my first, uh, oh, wow, I just said first a lot. Um, I'm getting nervous because I have that bullying thing. But um, <laughs> I was. Are you, uh, are, you bl- are you blushing right now? I don't know. Let me check. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just sweating because okay. I'm in the, yeah. So I. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> oh, no, your friends were readers. You were transitioning to books. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when I first um, took that writing class, um, he sent me some links, and he sent me a link for Miranda July's page. He sent me a link of, like, really, like, old Taolin poem. Wait, is this your teacher? No, this is my, one of my best friends. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it's a pretty hip teacher. Yeah, no, this is one of my best friends. Um, and then, and then he also sent me some like Neil Gaiman or something. So I was just reading these blogs or whatever. And I was like, Oh my god, like this I, I can't believe this is a thing that is out there. Like who's and, like, like Miranda July's page, Talon's uh old blog Yeah, that was it for you. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, uh, I I want this in my life. <laughs> what was so, it? What was it what was it about it? What was it that made you so uh, it it was I guess what mm, it's difficult to say because there's many reasons, but I just really liked that it was so, quote-unquote, like, informal and, like, honest and fun. And because I was just used to poetry being... Hard to access. Like, a bunch of bunch of words that I didn't know what like I didn't know what they were talking about and it it was just like very snobby or I don't know and I get it I get Um, it I mean sometimes I like to deconstruct and I think there's a place for that but um, yeah it's like if you're trying to communicate 
Like for fuck's sake, like talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. Like now I can get into all that stuff. Like some of them when it's not boring, but I feel, I don't know. It's just really sad that many people are still trapped. Like, thinking that poetry has to be this one thing that is just complex for the sake of being complex and just boring and cliche, like nature and love poems and stuff like that. Right. And I can't believe that those books are still getting published. Like, well, it's a lot of it's. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. It's this way with literature, but especially in the context of poetry, it's a lot of academics. Yeah. Sort of like reading each other's books or whatever and passing them around. But, um, you know, I, I get. I would love to actually continue and get deeper into this, but I feel like you have to go to bowling class. Do you have to go? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's one seventeen. I don't. I don't know. Uh, maybe. What time is your class? Uh, one. Oh, well, so you're already late. But Yeah, but I don't know if it's... Um, what happens if you're late to bowling class? <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, why I'm, that is why I'm like, eh, well, I don't know what happens, because yeah. usually no, nothing happens. I feel like you're going to be okay, but I'm going to let you go, yeah. just because I don't want to impede your education, or, you know, <laughs> I, want you, I want you to bowl a strike. I mean, it's cred, no credit, so if I don't get credit... It's all my fault. You can blame me. I have screwed up your student, screwed up your student loans. But uh, it was it was fun talking with you. It was fun meeting you the other night uh, briefly at the uh, the event we did with uh, you know with the rumpus and um, hot dish here in Los Angeles and uh, likewise. Yeah, and I wish you luck. It's been it's been fun reading you online, and um, I wish you well uh, post college. I hope, <laughs> I hope you get a good job and that you you keep. Uh, uh, keep cranking out the books uh thank you yeah um <laughs> and you know have some have, have some confidence public speaking don't you, you know even if you're blushing fuck it just just, just stand I, just stand there and it, ride it out it is it is so difficult though because i because i think it's fear of blushing and that is a thing yeah, like right. i found online that there's fear of blushing so then there's blushing and on top of that there's fear of blushing so nothing there's better. so many levels nothing that be- i have to yeah. get over nothing better than uh, like a, a compounded fear yeah all right <laughs> well okay it was, it was fun talking with you good luck with everything <laughs> thank you it was it was fun i had fun and also i was just thinking the entire time like wait a minute this is getting too long i think like it probably already started and i wasn't aware <laughs> yeah no i just i try to just start it <laughs> oh, okay we're still we're still recording by the way this is still the show okay <laughs> so we should say goodbye and thank you right now uh, so oh, okay thank you thank anna you. goodbye goodbye thank you bye okay there you go that's anna carete go get baby babe available now from civil coping mechanisms you can find anna online she has a tumblr she's also on the twitter where her handle is at anna underscore carete thanks to kill Rockstars as always for all the good music go check out killrockstars.com don't forget to go get the app the official uh, other people app it's free you get that and then you can sign up for premium access the full archives every single episode uh everything all my conversations if you want to send me an email the address is letters at other You can uh, write to me, tell me a story, give me some feedback on the show. 
ask a question, what have you. It's fair. It's open season. Whatever you want. So, you know, and as far as foreign languages go, there's still time. You know, I'm not a spring chicken, but there's still time. I can still learn. It's never too late. But, my, you know, my feeling is that it takes immersion at this stage. And and really, it's the best way. Once you expect, you know, it's the best way, period, at any age. you got to live there. Or you got to be surrounded constantly by people speaking the language. So, hopefully one day I'll be able to live overseas, which I would like very much. Like my Like, my favorite place to be is somewhere where I don't know anyone and I can't speak the language, and I don't know where I am. Meaning, like, I don't know which road is which, or, you know, I like to be lost. <laughs> I like to be lost and isolated. It's like, uh... No, it's not like that. I was gonna say it's like the quadriplegic in that Metallica video, you know, like the Johnny Got His Gun thing, but I don't even... That's... That's not what I meant. That's not good. Johnny Got His Gun uh, is a novel. Right? In a movie? There's a novel by Dalton Trumbo that made into a movie. Can somebody ver like verify that? Please remember that Montaigne did not know how to swim and that Samuel Beckett died of complications from emphysema. That's it for now. Thanks again to Miss Anna Carrete. Carrete. <laughs> Go get her book. Thanks to you guys. I'll be back again soon. Uh, so until next time. Au revoir. Hasta luego. Arrivederci. Auf Wiederhausen. How do you say Auf Wiedersehen? Is that how you say that? Auf Wiedersehen? I can't speak German. I feel like German sounds scary, and I fear that English, when you uh, when you don't understand it, might sound even scarier. You ever worry about that? You ever worry that you're scaring people? Do I sound scary? <laughs>